Yassis, and welcome to the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. Your host is the founder of the Greece Travel Secrets website, Sandy Pappas, and she's joined by a variety of guests covering all sorts of topics about visiting Greece and making the most of your Greek odyssey. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Greece Travel Secrets podcast where, what is it now, it's uh, May, mid-May in 2020 and we're still living in the era of COVID-19 but most countries seem to be relaxing their restrictions. The public are generally able to be uh, moving around again and interacting with each other which I don't know about you but I um, am very much enjoying and also in Australia, where in my state we've only had six deaths and, and actually really incredibly good numbers. Um, but it's just so nice to get back out into the park and have picnics and be able to go and have your hair done and just all those luxuries in life that I think we've all very much taken for granted in the past. So wherever you are listening in from, I hope that you are safe and well and getting back to some sense of normalcy in your life. Now, in today's episode, I want to talk to you about the island of Paros. Now, Paros is my husband's favourite island. It's his favourite place probably in the whole world. And it's, look, I love it too. It's, it ticks so many boxes and it's one of the reasons why we recommend it to people going to Greece, particularly first-timers, because it gives you a, a, a contrast, a very stark contrast in many respects to, say, Santorini and Mykonos, and it's not that far to go from those places, so it's easy enough to pop on your itinerary, and we believe that you will have a much more authentic experience there. I mean, Paros has certainly geared up for tourists. It can get very busy, particularly in July and August. But ultimately, it's still the real Greece. People still live there and they have other industries and occupations and they live there year round. You will come away feeling much the way we do with Paros and you'll understand why. So let me tell you a little bit more about Paros itself and where it is. It is in the Cyclades Islands, which includes Santorini and Mykonos and Milos and Naxos and all the other islands that you, you know, when you think about Greece, you probably think about those blue and white sugar cube houses. And they are indicative of Cycladic architecture. You don't generally find that style of architecture in other parts of Greece. The Cyclades Islands um, sit just south of Athens and it's not that hard to get to them. Um, it takes about three hours on the fast ferry to get to Paros and it's often the first port of call for many of the ferries before they go on to Mykonos and Naxos and Santorini and the other islands. So once again, often if you're catching a ferry to those places, you're going to pop into Paros anyway. So may as well spend a couple of days and preferably a lot more. It's around 165 square kilometres in size and it's, a, it's relatively round in shape. So it's a really good size island and I know it might sound silly to hear that. The problem with some of the really big islands is when you want to go off and explore them, you have to kind of, you know, go north 
and then come back again on the same road and then go south and then come back again sort of thing. And on the really small islands, you may find that there's really not that much to do. You know, you could easily explore it in just a day or two. Whereas an island the size and shape of Paros means you can in fact do a complete loop around the island and that takes, you know, the, the day. Like at a leisurely pace, you could stop along at a few beaches, have lunch somewhere, explore a few, you know, archaeological sites and other things that you might see, a few churches and some ruins, etc. And you could make a really nice day of it. So it's a great size in that respect. It also means that you may not need to have a hire car the entire time, but we would definitely recommend that you have one at least to get that one day circuit under your belt. The island's home to around 15,000 people, I think. And as I said earlier, a lot of those people do live on Paros all year round, but there are others that do go back to the mainland and to other parts of the world when the tourist season is not underway. Paros is only uh, eight kilometres away from its neighbour Naxos, its much larger neighbour Naxos, which is to the east. And to the west, you will find the smaller island of Antiparos, which is only two kilometres away. So it literally only takes seven minutes on the little ferries over to Antiparos. Anti, of course, means opposite. So it literally means opposite Paros. I'm going to be joined in a few minutes by my darling husband because he is going to share some of his thoughts about Paros and why he loves it so much. You won't get a bigger fan or somebody more enthusiastic to talk about this island than him. Now, there are two main towns on Paros. One is called Parakia. It's the port town. It's a lovely town. A lot of port towns are not so lovely. They can be very busy, you know, with all the boats coming in and all the traffic. And it can get a little chaotic like that. But it has an old, an old quarter or an old town with the iconic cobblestone streets and the whitewashed buildings. And there's some really lovely cafes and tavernas and shops, galleries, uh, museums all um, through there. It's also quite near several really lovely beaches and there's a very protected bay in the harbour near Parakia where you can swim most days, even on the windiest days, it's likely you will find a quiet spot down there. It's very calm, very family friendly as well. And the other thing about Parakia is it's pretty affordable. I mean, it is where you will find a lot of budget accommodation. It's where the backpacker hostels are, but it is a lot cheaper than, say, the other large town on the island, which is called Nausa. Now, Nausa is where we tend to stay. It's, as I said, a little more expensive. It's a lot more lively, particularly at night time. It tends to really go a bit crazy around the harbour. The beautiful old fishing harbour is completely surrounded by open-air tavernas and bars and cafes, most of which are very good, so you can always get a great meal down there. There's fabulous ambience, and in summer it's very busy and, yeah, as I said, very lively. And then later on at night, it, like, completely goes off. There's literally people dancing on tables and, you know, there's bars 
that are playing music and are open until basically until the sun comes up, which might all sound a bit horrid to some people. But luckily the town is designed, uh, I guess, in a way that um, you can easily be staying in a hotel or an Airbnb, not that far from the harbour and really not hear anything at all. So you can scoot off and go back home to bed and not worry about the nightlife or you can choose to participate and get involved and have a big night, which we may have done once or twice ourselves. Nausa is just a little bit bigger in terms of the shops and the restaurants and the bars than, say, Parakia. And there are more upmarket brands there. So there's even some shops there and some chains that you would find on Mykonos and Santorini and some really excellent um, restaurants, some very elegant five-star sort of fine dining experiences. But there's also some really excellent souvlaki bars. There's some gelati shops. There's the Lukamari shop, which is the, the Greek donuts. And it's easy to generally find some live music at night. There'll be some tavernas where some guys are sitting around playing the bazooki and singing. And so it really has something for everybody. So it's one of the reasons we love it so much. If you'd rather stay away from either of those bigger towns, there are smaller towns, of course, on the island. There's a beautiful medieval town in the in the hills called Lefkes, and it's definitely worth a visit there. You can some people do choose to stay there, but it is um, a fair way from the beach, so you will need a car if you're there in summer. But it has a, a magnificent church and some really beautiful picture postcard kind of corners and and aspects and landscapes. So definitely go and have a look at Lefkes. Uh, other places around the island that people like to stay at include a seaside uh, village called Santa Maria which is up on the north east coast and it's quite favoured by a lot of Scandinavian tourists. It does have a nice big wide uh, generally calm beach and there are camping grounds and van parks and places that you can camp there. Further south and also again on the east coast and looking straight at Naxos is a lovely small port town called Kisolavadi. So again, being a port, it's a working fishing village and there's a number of little seafood tavernas around the harbour and there's a number of boats that leave the harbour, including some that do day trips over to Naxos and the small Cyclades, they often leave from that harbour. Further south again, you'll come across the village of Drios, um, and Drios and its neighbour, Krisiakti, have a number of, again, uh, holiday accommodation available along the beach there. Again, lots of lovely tavernas. And a little bit uh, further along from there is quite a famous beach called Golden Beach, which is renowned for its windsurfing and kite surfing. And in fact, they have the International Windsurfing Championships there once a year. So as you would imagine, it can get very windy down there in the south, uh, particularly when the Meltemi winds are blowing, which they tend to in summer. So it may not be the sort of beach that you want to spend your holiday on because of the wind but if you are a water sports enthusiast then that could be a very different story. I know I have a brother who would love to have a holiday there.
Going along uh, further, if you're heading clockwise around the island and heading around to the west coast, you'll come across a beautiful little coastal town there called Aliki. Again, similar setup, beautiful little tavernas on the beach, but it's a very calm and tranquil harbour there. And there's some exceptionally good tavernas where you can literally be sitting with your feet in the sand and being served the most delicious fresh fish and seafood at a very affordable price too. So definitely get your, get yourself around there. And then as you head right around and you'll be on the absolute west facing part of Paros is a town called Punta. And Punta is where you can catch the car ferry over to Antiparos, which takes, as I said earlier, just seven minutes. Heading north then, you'll go back through the towns, little town villages called uh, Parasporos for, for one, and you will reach Parakia, and then you would keep going and you would head up to the north where you would hit Nausa. So they're the main towns and villages that people would stay at when they visit Paros, but there are lots of other smaller villages that you will still find accommodation and you may prefer to stay in one of them and have the whole beach to yourself, which is completely possible on Paros. So apart from these towns and villages, what are some of the other things to see and do on Paros? Well, for starters, of course, there are the beaches. Now, you will hear a lot of people say the beaches are better on Naxos. Don't get me wrong, Naxos has some absolutely magnificent beaches. Being such a large island, it has a lot of very big, wide, calm beaches, so very family friendly. Paros doesn't really have beaches like that because it's just not big enough. But what it does tend to have is more of these little hidden beaches that, you know, are in quiet coves and are often well protected. So again, even on the windiest days, you can always find one that is protected from the wind. And, you know, there are some that are very open and, as I mentioned earlier, windy. Some can be very rough, some can be very calm. It really does depend on what you're looking for. But on any given day, you will be able to find a beach that you will love. So near Nausa, there is another beautiful beach where you can actually catch a little water taxi over to it. And it's called Colombithras. It is generally quite protected and quite calm there. Columbithras Beach itself is quite unusual. It doesn't really have any beach per se made of sand. It has these huge big rocks that are very smooth, having been you know, beaten by the wind for centuries. So you can happily spend a day there. There are some sunbeds you can rent. There's a taverna nearby that's very good and services the sunbeds. If you go along a little bit further, there's a fairly new park there. It's actually called Paros Park. So it's like what we would call a national park. So it's protected. And it includes an excellent taverna, a beautiful protected calm beach, great for children. It also has an ancient uh, amphitheater and you can walk and hike right up to the point to uh, a lighthouse and there's magnificent views looking back over Nausa and the harbour. So it's a really lovely place to spend the day. There's some decent beaches in Nausa itself, namely um, Papiri Beach is probably the most popular. I've already mentioned Golden Beach, so definitely worth seeing that one. 
down uh, near Parakia is uh, Marcelo Beach. And one of my favourites right in the south of the island is called Faragar. It has, again, a lovely taverna, which has beautiful gardens, actually. So it's a really tranquil spot to go and seems quite out of place in a way because the Cyclades Islands, of course, are very dry and it's unusual to see these very green and fertile gardens. So it's very beautiful. And the beach there, you know, the water is just crystal clear and just sparkles in the sun and it's just mesmerising. Now, other things to do on the island, there's a couple of decent wineries. There's one in Nausa called Moriatis, which you can, um, you can visit their cellar door there. It's all very beautifully set up. It's quite new and they offer wine tastings, of course, but they also have a dining room where you can have food. You can order antipasta platters and things like that. One thing that Paros has been quite famous for in years gone by, over centuries really, is in fact its marble. Now, there's no working quarries on the island anymore, but there are still the remains of some marble quarries. Uh, One, for example, was where the marble for the Venus de Milo was from. Another is where Napoleon's headstone was, um, the marble was used to carve his headstone. So a lot of Parian marble was considered the purest in the world at one stage and it has, uh, you know, was sent all over the world for various reasons. So you can still visit those quarries. There's an ancient walk from antiquity that um, people believe various pilgrims, possibly saints, had walked and that's well signed. There are some uh, significant sites in Parakia, and in fact the most famous one, many people believe it's one of the most important monuments in all of Greece, is a church called the Church of 100 Doors. It was actually originally built during the Byzantine era in the 4th century, so it's really old. And legend has it that it has 99 doors and that if they find the 100th one, that's when Constantinople, which we know now as Istanbul, will be returned to Greece. So it's a fascinating church. From the outside, it has this modern facade. But when you go in, there's this big central courtyard and you can see the remains of the Byzantine architecture. Some of it's been beautifully restored and the original church is still there. And it's actually one of the, you know, every time I go to Paros, I end up going in there It really is a very special place. Not far from there is the remains of the Frankish castle. This castle was built in the 1200s by the Venetians from, again, um, you know, marble that was from the island. You can see the remains of this really intricate stonework and this amazing engineering. And whilst it's no longer in operation and you can't actually go into the castle, it's still worth going to see the foundations and the remnants of some of those ancient houses that joined it. The last thing I think I'll mention about Paros or things to do on Paros is mostly for the ladies, but the shopping on Paros is really good. I always end up being able to pick up a few new dresses, maybe some shoes. The jewellery is amazing, although I find that across Greece. I mean, I don't know why there are so many talented craftsmen in this one country, but you will find beautiful handmade jewellery 
everywhere in Greece, but I particularly find on Paros they have some really lovely pieces, some beautiful shops, great prices. And um, yes, I guarantee that you will find a few things to pack in your suitcase and take home. Last of all, it would be worth mentioning that you can easily do some day trips from Paros. Antiparos, of course, would be the most logical one to visit. And I have an extensive guide on Antiparos on the website. So don't forget to look that up at greasetravelsecrets.com. It explains at length how to get to Antiparos, where to stay, where to eat, what to do. There's some amazing caves over there actually, which is one of the main reasons a lot of people visit Antiparos, as well as the fact that it's where Tom Hanks lives in summer. So it's very, you know, notorious. It's a beautiful little island, so worth a trip, even if it's just for the day. It's also quite possible to visit uh, Mykonos and Delos, and of course Naxos as well. You can do them either on organised tours or quite frankly it's very easy to do just using the ferries. And the number one thing that I know John is going to tell you all to do when you visit Paros is to go on a sailing trip. Now we went on one with a bunch of friends one year. We sailed around the small Cyclades from Pisolovadi and it was the most magnificent day that to this day remains in our memories as one of the travel highlights of our lives. The waters are crystal clear, it's just beautiful so make sure you do that. It will depend on the weather and the wind on the day as to where you can go but we highly recommend that as a day out. So as um, discussed, I'm now joined by my darling husband, who's very reluctantly come to talk about a few bits and pieces about Paros. So John, thanks for coming today. Yay. Okay, I know how much you love Paros, but for listeners out there, can you explain to them why Paros is your favourite island? I guess that's, it's different for everybody, but for me... Paros has got everything. Paros has got beautiful restaurants. It's got beautiful beaches. It's uh, my favorite village is Nausa, where you stay in close. You can walk to the village. It's got nightlife. It's got food. It's got, it's just got everything. Um, the water's amazing. And yeah, it just feels like my second home. So I know you often say that it feels like home. Do you think it's maybe because we've had such great memories that we've made there as well? I guess that's true, but um, you can't have great memories without a great place and without um, the place feeling like it's uh, it suits you. So I guess uh, it's just been amazing because we've had great times there. We've met beautiful people there. We've brought beautiful people there and we've had some fantastic times. So what about the rest of Paris? I mean, what are some of the other things on Paris that you really like? Uh, look, um, we love the beach, obviously, and there's some beautiful beaches. And a couple of those, Monastiri, Farangas, Berry, Colombithres, there's just beautiful beaches and beautiful water, calm, which, you know, I'm not a surf person. So, yeah, just idyllic, really. 
for me, I remember that really beautiful lunch that we had at Monastery, which only just opened up in the Paros Park. Um, I think that was in just 2018. And we also really like going around to that beach near Parakia. That's always really calm. And there's that really nice mussels restaurant is there. Uh, look, um, if you're talking about food, uh, again, there's, there's so much good food there. One of my favourite gyro shops uh, is at Nausa. Uh, beautiful look Mares. You know, it's just food. There's plenty of food, plenty of seafood restaurants. And of course, we had our 50th at Siparos, which is outside of Nausa, but um, probably 10 minute drive. But it's, it's gorgeous and it's looking at the water and you see the sunset. And Paris, our host there, is just an incredible man. Looked after us amazingly with our 50th, but also I think that's just how he is. And he looks after everybody that goes there. So some beautiful times. I also think, you know, we've built some friendships there and... Paliamalas Hotel, Chris, who is a Sydney Greek, who runs and operates that hotel, we've become pretty good friends. And even when we go back there and we don't stay there, we still go and see her and doesn't mean that you stay there every time, but we still have built this beautiful relationship. And I think relationships are what brings you back to places. It's a fantastic hotel, no doubt. And what you're going to get there, I think, if you're an Australian or an American is is you're going to get somebody who speaks your language, who understands us. She's just she just knows how to look after a tourist. And so it's an you know it's an amazing hotel even from that even from that perspective. But I guess also what one of the most amazing times for us there and obviously we had our 50th on Paros and we took, you know, 40 of our friends at the time from from all over the world. We met up in Paros and the day that stands out the most for me is we organized some of the girls sandy organized an amazing day where the 40 of us got picked up with a bus we uh went to um a beautiful boat that took all of us and we ended up going to the small cyclades and spending the day on the water and to me i mean those days where you spend on the water they're amazing but when you spend them on the water with friends and with people that really know how to look after you it just makes those days and and for me that's one of the most memorable days and i've children. spent in greece i oh, forget the children <laughs> uh, we're just talking about you know beautiful days in greece and really that that to me is one of the most beautiful days that i've spent there and and that memory will be with me you know forever well, thank you so much, Mr. Pappas, for your insights. And um, just full disclosure on, on some of the things that John said, we did not know Chris before we went to Paros. We became friends after we had booked her hotel. So it just worked out to be so successful and we, we just got on so well. And that's one of the reasons I do advertise and promote her hotel um, because I absolutely do believe that it is one of the best propositions around. It's just outside of Nausa, so it's quiet. And it's actually kind of nice to force you to do a little bit of a walk back from dinner at night time and, and things like that. So just in closing, John, obviously you're as disappointed as I am that we're not going to get over to Greece, um, well, <laughs> next week when we were supposed to be flying out. We may not even get there this year. But when we do get there, what are some of the other places that you really have loved the most and that you're looking forward to seeing in the future? 
Oh, there's just too many places to mention, uh, but uh, obviously Santorini is an amazing place purely from its structure, um, you know, being a volcano. Again, the most beautiful day we spent there was out on the water. So we saw the sunset on a private little fishing charter that was organised by a hotel. But, you know, there are many other beautiful places. We loved Milos. Milos was amazing and, and not a lot of tourists there. Not reliant on tourism so much. So they have mining. It's growing. Um, so, you know, work for them is not just tourism, which is fantastic. So you'll get a really true Greek experience there. My father's from Chios, so I'm, I'm going to have to mention Chios. It's not a big tourist place. It's very close to Turkey. It's just beautiful. So, if, again, if you want an experience where you're going to get to see the true Greece, it's probably one of the places that you'll get that. Kefalonia, I mean, we went to Kefalonia last year, which was fantastic. Uh, Meteora, which, um, you know, it's a must. If, if you can see it, you must see it. And the Peloponnese, we still need to see more. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, even though you're on the mainland, it can follow the water and still be, you know, close to the water and have those experiences. But very quiet, not many tourists uh, and just incredible, yeah, history, architecture, many stories to tell there. Well, thank you, guest. Back to work for you. Go and earn some money so we can go to Greece. That concludes this episode on Paros. I hope you've enjoyed it. I, I'm sure there will be future episodes again. But don't forget to pop on over to the website, greasetravelsecrets.com. You'll find an entire page there on Paros. I have a very long article on things to do on Paros, all covered uh, today on the podcast as well as an article on where to stay, which explains, again, the different villages and towns and the hotels that we recommend. There's also a short article on the differences between Paros and Naxos. I do get asked that quite often, as well as a lovely video that I've put together from various highlights over the years. So I hope you enjoy all of that, and I look forward to talking to you again next time.